Halloween is around the corner, which means that is pretty good indicator that the summer movie season is officially over. Jess and I decided to do our yearly summer movie review on episode 59 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm another one of your hosts, Jessica Quaz. And as we said in the cold open, we're talking about summer movies. Yes, we know that Halloween is near, but uh, that means all the movies that came out um, in August and uh, going into September are making their way out of theaters, and we can finally take a look back. At the 2018 summer movie season, it was certainly interesting indeed, right Jess? I think so. I think kind of like last year, there was a huge variety of movies, which is exciting. Um, Both big budget and indies that were pretty popular. Um, So I thought it was a pretty, pretty good year. Yeah, it definitely... We still are way better than... 2016 summer movie season (laughs) that was the worst that was really dark times (laughs) (laughs) what was the hit of that year again i can't even i mean the hit i mean my favorite movie that summer was nice guys but like financially 2016 it was like civil war and like finding dory (laughs) okay yeah civil war was like the shining light because wasn't that also the year we got, like, Independence Day 2, which was really I, bad? I think so. That, that was, was rough. also very recent. <laughs> oh, that was a sad time. That movie still infuriates me to even think about. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that may have been last year because I was listening to our, our episode last year where we broke down the 2017 summer movie season, and yeah, you were pretty upset <laughs> i still carry that i still have all that anger in me <laughs> well obviously just a lot of this episode is going to be talking about things that we watched over the summer but uh what have you been watching lately whether it's movies or tv well now that it's october i've been watching a lot of horror um because i'm a really big horror fan uh but like normal movies that aren't horror that i've seen recently um, Assassination Nation uh, was awesome. Did you hear about Assassination Nation? <laughs> Which I, is a really fun title to say. I'm just. I heard about it and I want to see it. I really liked it. It was really disappointing though because I heard it did not do well at the box office. It had a really yeah. poor opening, but the premise was fucking sick. I thought it was really cool. Um, basically, it's about a town that gets hacked everyone in this town i think it's about like half the town gets hacked and everything of theirs is released on the internet and it's just like this weird like pulp sort of neon war kind of like it's just there's not a movie like it i don't even know what to compare it to it's kind of like um like heathers meets spring breakers kind of it's like so funky and original and I really liked it and I want more people to see it. I'm really disappointed it didn't do well. Um, and then I also recently saw 
the two number one and number two movies out of the box office right now, which is A Star is Born and Venom. Um, oh, boy. Let two me just totally say, different movies. Two could not be more different. Um, spoiler, one I really liked, one I didn't have any sort of feeling towards. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so Venom was fine. It's fine. It's not... A tr- <laughs> it's fine. It's just solidly okay. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing particularly awful about it, but there isn't anything like fantastic at the same time. Um, <laughs> Tom Hardy's always fun to watch on screen, I think. I thought he was really fun to watch as a weird sort of pseudo superhero. Um, I didn't know Riz Ahmed was like the villain. I had no idea he was even in it. Um, he, he's an interesting villain cause he wasn't really intimidating, but he's, there's something really likable about him. Um, yeah, it was okay. It was just okay. And it made a ton of money. So I'm sure there's going to be a sequel and the sequel's probably <laughs> just going to be okay. And that's that. Um, a star is born on the other hand. I know you're a fan of the Gaga. I am such a fan of the Gaga, which I've talked about a few times on this podcast. And let me tell you, my girl delivered. Um, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. She was amazing, but aside from her performance, so was Bradley Cooper, so was his directing. Um, Full disclosure, I've never seen any of the originals. This is actually the fourth original, fourth remake fourth original <laughs> sorry i'm kind of sick so i'm kind of like out of it i i thought there was only three but the fact that this is the fourth one it's like of course there was four yeah some people think there's only two but there's actually four there was like one in like 1920s and there's one in the 1930s and then there was a streisand one and now there's the gaga one so there's a lot of them i haven't seen any of the, any of the original three um so I didn't know plot-wise, like, what was going to happen. Um, and it was, like, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be in a really good way. I kind of had an idea of where the story was going to go and how they were going to tell the story of these two people. But what I had in my head was was so wrong in such a good way. Um, it's going to win all the fucking Oscars. It is. It's amazing. I'm sorry. I was going to ask that. <laughs> it's going it, to... Not only is it really, really good, he's good, she's good, um, the supporting acting is amazing. I think Sam Elliott has potential to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he... Uh, Bradley will definitely be nominated for Best Director. I think it could be up for Best Picture. Not only because it's so good, and it's definitely going to win Original Song, because that soundtrack is amazing um but what else really is there like what other movies are getting this much hype for awards season that well you can name right now well i was gonna ask so like and like obviously don't like yeah spoil because i i may actually check it out but like how much of the movie is like like it's not a musical like it's a drama about musicians right yeah. So yeah, um, it's not a musical, but all the songs are original music. Um, basic. So like the first two stars, Borns, are actually about actors. It's a rising actress and a fading actor. And then the Streisand one turned it into music, and that's what this version did too. Um, so it is very much about like their music, but it's not a musical, and it's definitely more about like these two people in their relationship and their own personal struggles 
and it's it has a lot to do with relationships not just the romantic sense but like relationships to your parents to your family and like how your life journey can shape that um yeah and I I'm really big Gaga fan I've been looking forward to this movie for a while ever since Bradley announced he wanted Beyonce because that was a thing like I've been following the creation of this movie for years (laughs) (laughs) like yeah so um I was one of those weird Gaga fans who when tabloid photos of Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga walking out of a restaurant came out like uh, over a year ago I was like, they're going to be in A Star is Born. Like, this is going to happen. Like, they're not dating. They're making a fucking movie. Here we are. Um, But not only do I, like, love her, I know that makes me biased, and I really, really do love the movie, I think it's just genuinely good. Like, it's just well done all around. And like I said, there really isn't anything else to pull for. I mean... I don't know. Like there, I just can't think of another movie currently that has this much hype around its like award season, um, and I feel like this time last year there were like already a few contenders that were at least being like talked about or discussed, and I don't really feel like that. So I think *A Star Is Born* is gonna win a lot, um, but it is good, and even if you're not into sort of like romantic musically kind of movies, if you didn't like *La La Land*. That's fine. You're going to like A Star is Born because I don't like La La Land either. So it's, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so those are the movies I've recently seen. And then I have been going into Huluween. If you have Hulu, you know about Huluween. It's fucking epic. Um, So good. All the classics, all the horrors. Um, And I have been watching the Halloween Town movies because in less than a week... I am going to go to St. Helens, Oregon, which is the town that Halloween Town was shot at 20 fucking years ago. And this town, every year since, for the past 20 years, has preserved all the set deck, all the props, all the cool things about Halloween Town. And every October, on the weekends, they bust it out and recreate Halloween Town. And it's a whole thing. I am so excited. So I am going to Halloween Town. My dreams of becoming a witch are finally coming true. I'm going to go there and, like, <laughs> find, like, a wand or a broom, and I'm going to, like, figure out all these powers have been within me this whole time. It's going to be, like, a whole magical moment. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Halloween Town also under Halloween. So if you want to watch Halloween Town and relive the nostalgia of that magical franchise, Halloween. <laughs> well, just maybe off, off air we'll need to... Uh exchange hulu information so i can check out some huluween <laughs> oh it's so good so good um i've also been watching some tv just like all right quick into that because there's been a lot of tv um fall tv is back in action full swing so like the newer shows i've been watching um, I watched the latest episode of Riverdale, the first episode of season three. Have you continued on the Riverdale journey? I, not at the moment. I, I think I, I think I got like a good handful of episodes in and I just got distracted by some other things in life. <laughs> Perfectly understandable. <laughs> season one is good though. I do suggest you at least finish out season one. Um, it's getting really ridiculous over there in Riverdale. Um, oh, at now is it getting ridiculous? <laughs> Even more so. You thought was, season one was wild? Like, was, oh my god. Was the fact that the pilot, Archie, had three women interested in him <laughs> not enough? It gets, like, that becomes so irrelevant and everything just 
<laughs> becomes a whirlwind of like teen trash and like I'm in it. I don't know why. It's like I hate myself for watching it, but I watch it. I can't stop. So Riverdale, it's great, but awful at the same time. I love it, and I hate it. It's so many emotions. Um, the latest season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend just premiered this week, too. Season 4, it's the last season. I am, like, so devastated that it's going off the air. I think it's amazing. I think the way they've taken the show is so unexpected and so interesting. And the start of season 4, I all the, the ideas and guesses I had on where it was going to go was completely wrong, which was really cool. And it felt like... At the end of season three, if anyone watches Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it felt like they almost, like, wrote themselves into a corner and you weren't sure, like, how they were going to get out. And then in season four, it came back. I'm so excited to see the end. I'm sure it's going to be epic. And then another new show I watched, also CW. These are all CW shows. What does that say about me as a person? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I watched the Charmed reboot pilot. It's a time. Um... Yeah, it's not great. It's not <laughs> great. I was a really big fan of the original Charmed. Um, I used to watch it when I was a little girl, and that's what inspired me to want to be a witch. So, like, it's all coming full circle. Charmed, and now I'm going to go to Halloween Town, become one. It's fine. Um, it's okay. It's If you like the original Charmed, you might find some interest in the reboot. Um, other than that, I don't know. And then the last show that I've been watching and have been become obsessed with is The Haunting of Hill House. Um, it is Netflix's latest horror show. It is unbelievable. It is such good horror. It's on so many levels. I watch a lot of horror, as I've mentioned many times. I mean, in this episode alone, I've mentioned it like 10 times. Um, and so I'm sort of desensitized to like what scares me in a, in a horror movie or show this show fucking terrified me like actually like made me afraid of like being in the dark i had to turn a light on when i was watching it um and the layers of horror are impeccable the casting is great um have you heard of this show at all i've heard of it but i have not been able to check it out yet it's relatively new i don't know if it's even been on for like a full week but basically it's about like this family that lived in a haunted house um, and what their lives are like after they leave the house, which is really interesting because usually when we see like an Amityville horror kind of movie where the family's in the haunted house or like whatever, you just, like, they they leave the house or like the ghost up and then that's it and they're done and like, yay, we did it. Um, whereas this show like expands on that further and like how much like, if you were a five-year-old living in a haunted house, like, what would that do to you as a grown human? Um, right. <laughs> it's So it's fascinating because it plays on that trope, but, like, expands it. And so it's it's told in, like, two different sort of stories, like, one of, like, the family in the house through flashbacks and then where they're all at now. And it's just... I only have two more episodes left, and I think I started it two days ago, maybe? <laughs> I have gone so hard. It is so good. I will probably even, like, maybe start rewatching it again because it's, like, the perfect October show. It's sort of on, like, Netflix's way of filling the void for Stranger Things because we're not going to get Stranger Things this year, so I think they, like, put that uh, in instead. And, yeah. man, it did the trick. It really did. <laughs> well, wow. Jess, you have been watching a lot. 
<laughs> I have. <laughs> it's getting cold here, so I'm not going out as much into the world. I'm staying in and watching stuff. Uh, well, now I feel like my list is going to be very pale in comparison to yours. <laughs> so it's, I feel like uh, it's usually the other way around, where I have like one or two things, and you have a whole filmography over there. A whole filmography. Um, so yeah, when it comes to TV, um, I have not been watching a ton. Um, just been sticking with a couple things on Netflix. Um, uh, still watching some Queer Eye. Um, still like I, uh, so I found out uh, like I didn't realize the seasons were so short. So I finished season one, um, and I think I started season two, or I'm about to start season two. But uh, I watched a few episodes like within the last week or two, and uh, yeah, just if if you just think that you're due for a cry. Like, you don't even necessarily, like, want, like, a bad cry or anything. Like, you just think, like, you know what? I could use a cry. Just pop in Queer Eye. There is no <laughs> no shame in watching the Fab Five break out the waterworks with your face. Like, it just... <laughs> it's <laughs> it true, is... and it's like a therapeutic cry. It's like a happy cry. Yeah, it's like, these guys need to have this show renewed as long as they're alive. <laughs> They are just, angels. Like they, they just are. need to go around America and fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I've been working my way through that still. Uh, slowly. I, I've been trying not to binge it because, like, you know, y- y- you cry like for only so long, and it's like, well, I need to, you know, put on something else. Um. Another little show that like it only had like six episodes. I kind of like binged it like oh well, i wouldn't even say binged it i, I just uh, before i knew it it was done was uh the show have you heard of magic for humans i feel like i have heard of it but i don't know exactly what it is yeah so do you ever watch those like cupcake competition shows with that one host i believe his name is like justin wellman um no i mean he just seems like stereotypical cooking baking show host where like he's making his little jokes on the side while like the judges and everyone are you know actually talking about like the baking or the cooking well um he has his own show and it has nothing to do with cooking or baking that was just like a gig because he he's a really a magician and it's like totally interesting because for years my mom loved watching those baking or like those cupcake shows Uh, i think it's cupcake wars if i'm certain uh that he's on and it's just like no that was just like a gig to like pay the bills like he's actually like a really great magician and like sure like we've all seen like david blaine stuff where it's just like whoa crazy and like he does amazing tricks but he's also just i think like really great with people like he's just so good at like the interactions like remember do you remember watching david blaine back in the day oh he's ridiculous he's awkward as fuck (laughs) he's so ridiculous (laughs) like he had no like real like charisma he's like you want to see a trick it's just like what the fuck are you yeah here's a card and she's like what the like no like it was always really like that's how i love they did that one series where the guy just (laughs) kept doing tricks and the guy's like oh my god <laughs> oh those youtube videos are like mocking david blaine yeah, yeah like a good so 10 years so ago funny yeah <laughs> um but like justin Wilman is opposite of that he is so great with people 
like the one episode like so every episode has like a little theme like one of them he kind of talks about like technology and one of them he talks about love and what's so funny about the one with love is he starts talking about he's like let's talk to the horniest generation and it's all old people <laughs> he's just like he's like talking with old people like in the park like oh what are you into you know and then <laughs> just then he'll just do like a mind-blowing trick and it's just very entertaining he'll also have an episode where he does stuff with like with kids like these little tricks with like marshmallows or like things like that like I think he's just a great host. And I think it was like a good little test. Like there's only like six or eight episodes. There are only like 20 so minutes, like 23, 25 minutes of real breezy. Um, uh, it was just something to like put on while I was like working on stuff and like to enjoy, but not to like really, you don't really have to like sit there and like focus. Like sure. You pay attention to like see the reveal of the trick, but it's not like, Oh my God, I got to pay attention to every second. So if you just want to watch something where you don't really have to dedicate too much effort into it, magic for humans. And if you just are a sucker for magic like me. So, um, the other thing I've recently been watching, and this is something I've seen before, but, um, my roommate Joe Mangles has, I've been rewatching Rick and Morty with him cause he's never seen Rick and Morty before. So, um, we're, we've been going through some season two here and there and, god i just love that show <laughs> like there's i know there's only three seasons but it's still like one of my favorite shows of all time because it just has this wonderful balancing act of dark comedy and uh stupid humor and also like crazy like drama philosophical humor but it's also so quick quick witted um like <laughs> like uh, do you watch rick and morty at all i've only seen a couple episodes so like i love one of the greatest opens and it's like two lines is like so the family always loves kind of shitting on the dad jerry voiced by chris parnell um who you'd recognize also voicing cyril and archer um they love to just kind of shit on him and like he's like very uh self-conscious and like a kind of a wuss compared to everyone else and the episode starts they're all at the dinner table and he's just kind of like eating his soup or whatever and he's just talking about like well if you let the chicken go all the way to like the bottom of the bowl and this 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 and then it just stops and his wife beth is just like jerry get a job <laughs> just like just right to the point like no <laughs> <laughs> no punches pulled just like jerry get a job and then like someone else enters and then like the plot of the episode like goes on but it's just such a just such a great little jab just like jerry get a job and <laughs> even like the kids just shit on the dad it's yeah no rick and morty i think it is just brilliant and i know there's like it's weird how this show like it went from a show that like no one knew about to like this show that almost like it got so known that there's like the stigma with like the fans now. Um, like almost kind of like how we talked about like the toxic fanboy uh, or like fan uh, culture of like star Wars. Like I feel like already imprinted onto this show, Rick and Morty, that's only gone a few seasons because it's just gotten such a die hard fan base that like, if people don't like it, people are like, you don't like Rick and Morty, you just must not get it, you know? And, <laughs> or, like, 
people think like they like I have met people who like actively don't want to watch it just because they've heard how dumb the fans are. And I'm like, that's not the show's fault. Like they didn't create the fan to be stupid about Mulan Szechuan sauce in the season three opener. Um, So if you haven't seen it, I really think you should give it a chance. My best recommendation actually would be to like not watch the pilot, but just go ahead and watch the second episode because the pilot, they really are like kind of off putting in a little way. And once you get the humor in the second episode, you can go back and watch the pilot later. But Rick and Morty been great rewatching that show, man. It just like, as a writer and like Jess, you know this too. Like we've been doing film for so long and have watched film and TV for so long. It's hard for us to be surprised by things because like we just see how like character arcs go or like jokes are set up or things like that to where it's like, Oh, a plus B equals C. Like it just like, it's very cut and dry a lot of times for us, which is why it's like harder to enjoy certain things. But for me, for Rick and Morty, I think they just, they definitely know how to like, you think this, we're going to go this way. And like, it just catches me off guard so often. And that's what makes me love it so much. So, um, that's kind of what I've been watching TV wise movies. I have not been watching as much. Um, but what I did just see recently at the time that we're recording this, um, I did not see Venom. I did not see a star is born, but I did see first man. It is the new Damien Chazelle movie um, from (laughs) the director of Whiplash and La La Land. Um, It's his third movie. Uh, He brought back Ryan Gosling, and it's all about um, NASA building its way up to the moon landing with Neil Armstrong. It's all about Neil Armstrong and like his personal struggles going from like, I feel like it was like 1961 to like 1969. Like it was a long period of time of like all these different stages and hardships and things uh, on that journey. So first man, it's like a little under two and a half hours. Like it's a good, I have a feeling this will be a movie that is in Oscar and award talks. Do I necessarily love it? Not particularly. I do recommend, I think it is a film that is better seeing it on the big screen. When it comes to a lot of the space sequences or uh, missions or uh, even when he's just like, one of the opening scenes is he's uh, just in a fighter jet, things like that, but especially the moon landing towards the end of the film. Wow, the sound design the cinematography the effects the practical things that they did holy crap it is worth seeing it on the big screen just for that alone because i have a feeling if you're going to wait to watch this on amazon or netflix or hbo on like your tv or your computer it's just not going to have the same effect like this is a movie you should see on a big screen um but see my issue is like i don't want to pay for it It doesn't look like good enough to spend my money on. I still have Movie Pass. <laughs> oh, it's still going. Movie Pass is still going. Well, I I did the dumb thing. I am one of those guys that if it's a little cheaper to pay for the whole year opposed to month to month, uh, so I paid the whole year, <laughs> and it's still working. <laughs> so okay. good, well, good that it's still working. Might as well yeah. use it while you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I've already made, like, my money back based on, like, what I 
paid for up front. But uh, there are some theaters still in Chicago. Like, I don't think it's as many as it used to be, but there's still some that take it. So I'm going to keep using it until it stops working. <laughs> Might as well milk that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel like First Man is the only other movie besides The Star is Born that's like in serious talk for awards season at this point. But well, I, I still don't have any interest in seeing it. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because like... <laughs> During the trailers of First Man, it was like all these movies that I'm like, oh, here are all the Oscar bait movies. <laughs> like, they're all coming out in November and December, which, like, they always do. But it was just so funny to where, like, because, like, you, I kept thinking, like, what's going to be nominated this year? But then, like, the trailer started coming, like, oh, here they come. <laughs> like, but uh, before I mention that for a second, um, I'll just finish up on First Man. I think it it looks incredible. I think, you know, Gosling and Claire Foy did good with what they were given. Um, I more so think that Damien Chazelle should be nominated for direction. I don't know if this should be awarded Best Picture or Best Writing even. Like, it's a very cold and very solemn movie. There's not a lot of emotion to it. Like, if you really think about, like, if you've seen this movie, and I ask this to the listeners who have possibly seen it, how many times did Ryan Gosling actually speak in that movie? Like, there's a lot of scenes where he's just, like, staring at things or looking at things or whatever. Um, or, like, characters looking at one another and not necessarily talking. Like, it's, like I said, a very solemn movie, which is crazy because it's, like, two hours and, like, 20 minutes or something. So it's it feels longer because there's not a lot of talking happening. Um, but like I said... I think they should win for production design. I think, and, and obviously, what do I know? I know nothing about NASA. I only know what I saw in Apollo 13. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, like, as far as I know, everything looked so legitimate and real and, like, state-of-the-art and, like, uh, for, like, that time period. So, like, I think all of that, like, the behind-the-scenes, the technical aspects, the cinematography, things like that should be given to this movie. Best picture, best writing, even best acting, not necessarily. I think this will be one that gets a lot of technical awards. But, um, yeah, those trailers, it was pretty funny. Movies like Marwin with Steve Carell. Oh, yeah, or, it's very Oscar Beatty. Oh, my or God, Or yeah. Green Book. Did you see the trailer for Green Book? Which one is Green Book? It's like, which, like, the, tr I don't know why that's the title, but, like, it's Viggo Mortensen and, like, <laughs> Mahershala is this uh, pianist in, like, I, I, I can't remember the precise time period. I want to say, like, the 50s, 60s, and, like, he hires Viggo Mortensen to, like, drive him around, and, like, they're going through the South, which, obviously, Mahershala is black, and so that causes tension and issues and, like, a bond, and, like, this is based on a true story and like i just turned to my friends when i was seeing it and i was just like hmm a movie with two Os former oscar nominees slash oscar winners in a period piece that's based on a true story with race relations i wonder what they're going for <laughs> like they're going for the oscar it's so clear yeah that's how i feel about this um bohemian rhapsody movie where it's yeah. just like it's from the reviews I've read, the movie itself, not great, but 
Rami Malek's performance is amazing, which, duh, like, he's a great actor. It just feels like just watching the trailer, it's like, see, you love Queen. You love Queen. Wouldn't you love Queen to win an Oscar? Don't you love Queen? <laughs> it's like they play the whole discography in, like, two and a half minutes, and it's just like, so see, Freddie Mercury was really cool. He should win an Oscar, right? Look at that. I have no desire to see that, honestly. But aside from those movies, I think... Um, if Beale Street Could Talk also looks really amazing, that could be potentially up there. That looks very Oscar Beatty. It's also by Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight, so, like, maybe. But, like, I just don't think any of those movies have the intensity behind it like A Star is Born does. Like, it's already really beloved, and, like, people are pushing for it, and the Oscars are so desperately also trying to get, like, that you know, young, cool, hip, like, audiences to watch. I mean, hence why they did the popular category and then got rid of it right away because it was really As I said, then retracted it. Right? <laughs> like, oh, this doesn't make us look cool. Never mind. Like, they did it to look cool. Yeah. And one thing that is cool is Gaga. So I do think, like, not only is it a good movie, but it has all that in it that I think is going to help it. But we'll see. Yeah. Fuck Oscars. Let's talk about summer movies. Right. We're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves. Yeah, getting ahead of ourselves. So uh, tradition we started last year, uh, and, and well, last couple of years, uh, is taking a look back at all the summer movies and breaking up uh, some films into some categories and not just talking about our favorites, but uh, certain things. So let's just start with the one negative category to to get it out of the way. What was just your most disappointing film for you that you saw this summer? I hate to have this as my most disappointing movie. I really, really, really wanted to like this movie. I was actually looking forward to it. My most disappointing movie is Ocean's 8. Oh, wow, really? Yes. Did you see it? I did not, but I, I I didn't know that you saw it, or much less that it would be your most disappointing. Yeah, well, if you'd seen it, you would have understood why, and you would have probably <laughs> had it as your most disappointing, too, because it's not great. Um, it's, I was, like I said, I was really looking forward to it. I like the Oceans movie. Well, I like Oceans 11, 12 and 13, mm. Um and so I was excited to to get kind of back into that vibe with an Oceans movie, and this time all-female. Um, there just there wasn't as much excitement. Yeah. Um, like, the other Oceans movie has have a very, like, specific vibe and way of telling the story that keeps you very engaged. And this one definitely tried to, like, manufacture that again, but it just, like, really missed the mark. Like, it, it just did. Like... I don't know. I felt like the stakes weren't high. I wasn't, I didn't feel them. I didn't really care too much if they pulled it off or if they didn't. Um, I mean, like the other Oceans <laughs> movies, it's like, okay, either they walk away with a ton of fucking money or they go to jail. Um, but there was something about this one that I just didn't, it didn't really matter either way. If they win or they don't, I don't really care. I think it's a lot to do with the script. I think the script I don't really was, care. I don't really care. Like, I just don't. Like, whatever. Um, good luck. Like, um, yeah, it, it sucked, though, because it was, like, a boring heist movie. And heist movies are not supposed to be boring. They're supposed yeah. to be exciting. Um, I also really loved the setup of the movie. I thought the 
the idea of the heist was really cool. So they're essentially trying to steal from the Met Gala, and they're trying to take this, like, one piece of jewelry. That's a really cool environment. That's something, like, that's really fresh and something new, like, to steal in that kind of place. That's cool. Um, but, eh, like, eh. when they were actually pulling it <laughs> off, that wasn't cool. Like, um, yeah. it, it, it How sucks. was the cast? The cast was, like, good. Like, they were... <laughs> See, like, it's, what's what's so disappointing about this is that it wasn't, like, particularly awful, and it wasn't particularly good. It was just very much in the middle, in limbo of just, all right. So the cast itself, like, the names are incredible. So the cast is Sandra Bullock, Anne Hathaway, Kate Blanchett, Helena Bonham Carter, Aquafina, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, and Rihanna. Like, that is a great group of talented people so you have them in one project like that could be explosive with how cool that is um but it wasn't like it was really it was very basic to watch their scenes together I didn't really feel like a lot of like camaraderie like I did with the other like Oceans movies where you felt like these guys are like pulling a heist but they're also buddies like and they care about each other it just I think what was really odd was that it just felt like the, the writing was so basic, and that's why, like, these these amazing actresses and talents, like, couldn't really flourish because, like, they were only given, like, so much. Um, and their characters were just very, like, one-dimensional-ish and, like, didn't really have a lot of substance. And the ones that they tried to give substances to, it was very, like basic cookie cutter like I've seen this character before like I'm not that like like fascinated by it like Rihanna was really fun to watch at times because she was like quirky in her delivery and like the way she would say things was very like she was kind of the straight man which was interesting for that group um and for Rihanna to be the straight man in a movie like what but like she was also like a weird hippie actor who smoked weed like oh that's so strange it's like I don't know like I just was disappointed in the characters and who they were and there was only like one moment that I felt like was a roadblock the heist itself seemed to like go off very easily like no (laughs) issue like they were just casually always like stealing from galleries and museums I don't know it was just like everything was falling into place it was all super cool everything was going great it was super easy and there was like one moment where there was a roadblock and I was like oh oh no oh 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 and then it went fine everything was fine and then there was like a little bit of a twist but it wasn't anything mind-blowing like it wasn't anything that had much of a payoff um yeah so it was just eh, like i like i said i i was excited to see it i like the oceans movies the trailers looked cool the cast is really cool um the premise really cool but all those awesome pieces didn't make something great and i think that's what was disappointing was they had all of this potential to make something like really cool. One last thing about this movie, I think some of the problem with the characters and the way they interacted with each other was because the direction and the script came from a man. And so I think that might have been why like the female camaraderie felt lost because it's like 
eh, like if I feel I do, I don't mean to play like the sexism card or anything, but I feel like if a woman had like directed it, she like would have gotten like how women handle each other and talk to each other and work together. Whereas this felt like a man thinking how women talk to each other and deal with each other and work with each other. And I think that's kind of what the disconnection was. So yeah, yeah. most disappointing Ocean's 8. Don't see it. It's just <laughs> just don't. It's all right. It's okay. See, I it's funny. The main thing I knew about this movie is like I said it came and it went. Like it didn't like you said it didn't wasn't loved but it wasn't hated. It just like happened. And I feel like I forgot about it for the longest time until you just brought it up. And what's funny is I can't help but always think of John Mulaney's bit about a female oceans movie. Did you ever hear his bit about that? No, I didn't. <laughs> he used to always joke about how a female oceans. Mo- this was years before the movie was announced. He's like a female oceans movie would never work because, because uh, y- y- two of them would always break off to talk about the other nine. <laughs> <laughs> that actually does happen a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he that just was just. Happens a lot. <laughs> he's like, it would be like during the heist, and he's like, it'd be like passive aggressive, like, uh, "Wow, Karen, you just wear anything," and then he's like spinning the dial. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen a lot with Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock because they're supposedly like the best of friends, even though they didn't feel like the best of friends. They're apparently best friends, and they would just That's like funny. gossip about the other girls. He'd be like, mm, you know. So yeah, actually, he was kind of accurate about it. <laughs> But it's interesting. I had no idea that it was made by a male director. That uh, that kind of angers me. <laughs> right? Because it's like, that's... I don't know. Like, I just feel like if it's a woman's story, you should have a woman try to tell it. And and it was not only just a male. It was Gary Ross, who, like, also did the first Hunger Games movie. Like, that dude, who whose movies have always just been, like, mediocre. So it wasn't like they got some, like, really amazing comedic director who just, like, happens to be a male. They got, like, a very, like, just basic-ass male to, like, I tell this really awesome story. Yeah, I would have only been okay if they brought, like, Steven Soderbergh back because he made the first three. Like, that would have been the only guy that I would have been fine with. But like you said, like, it's just you were already taking a known property. Like, you were using the ocean's name and using all these stars that should be enough to sell at the box office. So what does it matter if you have a young or female like director? But um, yeah, o- uh, Oceans 8, I completely forgot about that movie until about five <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> and that's like what is, to me, very disappointing in a movie when it's not fucking memorable at all. You can't remember it because it... This is so basic. Like, even right now, trying to relay the plot, I'm like, there's a lot. I don't even, I don't know. Things happen. It was boring. Yeah. You know? That's what's disappointing. Yeah. So, my most disappointing movie of the year, and I I really, like yourself, wish that this wouldn't be the case, um, but it's also because most of the movies I saw this summer, um, I saw movies I had a feeling I would like, and I end up liking, um, my most disappointing movie was Solo, a Star Wars story. Yep, yeah. Yep. Sounds about this, right. This movie I did not hate as much. I also waited a long time to see it. Like I saw it towards the end of its run. Um, 
because like I just knew that when it first came out, like everyone's going to be either hating it or trying to defend it or just like it was going to be very controversial because they made the dumb mistake of releasing this like only like six months after Last Jedi opposed to, you know, waiting until December where it's like been a year from Star Wars and maybe people would have been a little bit more nostalgic for more. But yeah, it's we don't need to dive into the details of the behind the scenes like you can read tons of fucking articles and videos and discussions and interviews there were two writer directors that were supposed to be in it and then yeah they got pulled slash mutual agreement to leave and ron howard came on and they had to reshoot like 70 some percent of this movie so it ended up being one of the most expensive star wars movies ever because they pretty much had to shoot it twice and that's where i understand why some people may be upset with like oh, the direction felt wonky and this, and it felt like this, and it didn't seem, like, cohesive and this. Like, my biggest thing was not the casting of young Han Solo, was not the direction by Ron Howard. My biggest thing was the writing. The writing was not good. Like, in this had Lawrence Kasdan and his son, I think it's Jonathan Kasdan, writing it. You think Lawrence Kasdan wrote... Empire Strikes Back, where which like a lot of people think is when like the Han Solo character was like really really improved, and obviously like he wrote Indiana Jones movies and tons of other movies, and then like his son, which I don't know a ton of the things he's done off the top of my head, but like you would think that like the father and then like the son with like the younger experience and like them together would come. They made it seem like this was, like, the most excited, like, script they were, like, ready to do. And then when it came out, I'm like, really? This? Like, it just felt very blah. It felt very someone at Columbia could have made it. Like, it just... (laughs) (laughs) Jess and I met at Columbia College Chicago with a lot of egotistical, not as talent, not that talented, like, film majors. I feel like one of them could have slapped this together in a production with, like, a Kickstarter of a couple grand. Like, it... (laughs) Like, based on the writing... Like, obviously, big budget movie. Like, it has some big stars. Like, Donald Glover was great as young uh, Lando Calrissian. And it just felt very much like, hey, we know there's a lot of Easter eggs and big things that you Star Wars fans will know. We're going to try to hit those notes. We're going to talk about the Kessel Run. We're going to talk about this. We're going to show you how Solo got his last name. (laughs) Why do we need to know that? his name could just be solo like it doesn't need an explanation why and also the fact that they tried to do an arc when you shouldn't have done that because like the arc is what he does through the first original trilogy like this was a movie that was not needed to be made at all but if it was going to be made this was the worst way to do it like it just was very slapped together very just bland it was kind of like Ocean's 8 in the sense where it was very forgettable. It it just... I, I waited like a good five, six weeks after it came out to see it. And like there was only like a handful of people in the audience. And I'm just like, huh. 
all right. <laughs> like, no one was jazzed. No one was like, whoa, or, like, excited. It was just kind of like, huh. That happened. <laughs> there it was. Um, but, like, I am just grateful. Like, it was not a- atrocious. It was not the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, it, they did not go Batman versus Superman of the Star Wars franchise. Um, you know, a lot of people say after Last Jedi and after this, like, they're ruining Star Wars and they don't know what they're doing and they lost, they lost control. Like, calm down, people. Like, they've only been making Star Wars movies for, like, three years. Like, can we give them a minute? Like, sure, they've released, like, four in three years, but let's let's have them figure it out. Because, like, what's going to happen? Do you think they're just going to be like, nah, we're going to sell this property? <laughs> no, it is the most famous franchise in the world. Like, <laughs> they're not going to give it up. But Solo, A Star Wars Story, it was not the worst movie ever, but as far as summer movies goes, compared to a lot of the ones we're going to talk about soon... It was the most disappointing for me. Those are the movies we were most disappointed in this summer. Now, Jess, let's start talking about some positives here. Let's talk about most underrated. What was the most underrated movie you saw this summer? The most underrated movie I saw this summer was sort of an unconventional pick, but it's Three Identical Strangers. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it, and I'm mad I didn't see it. (laughs) Uh, It's so good. So the reason why it's, like, most underrated for me is not because it didn't do well, because it actually did do pretty well for a documentary during the summer. Um, It, as of today, has made $12 million, which isn't bad um, for a documentary, again, released in the summer when you have movies, like, big blockbusters and superheroes to compete with. It's pretty good. Um, but I put it as most underrated because I feel like not enough people are talking about it still or had talked about it or had seen it still. Um, it is honestly one of the most compelling documentaries I've ever seen. Um, for those of you who've never heard of it or don't know what it's about, the title kind of speaks for itself. It's about three identical strangers, so three guys who were triplets that were separated at birth and adopted by three different families. Um, the interesting part is that all three of those families are in um, New York, like either in the city or near the city. So they weren't all that far away from each other when they were separated. Um, and that's just like where it starts. Like you think that's like a really interesting <laughs> story and it is, it's really interesting to hear like this happen, but then you learn like, the story behind the separation and that's when things get insane and it's like I watch a lot of documentaries this is one that has like stuck with me since I've seen it because I'll just it'll pop in my head and I'll think about like oh my god that story is like literally insane um and I (laughs) I don't want to speak like too much more on it because I would give a lot of the plot away and part of the magic of that movie is just like yeah I don't want to give anything away other than like what the title already kind of tells you because like I didn't spoil anything you know that Um, but I had heard before I'd seen it like oh it's a really good documentary it's really interesting like you know you should see it but I didn't I didn't know (laughs) I didn't know how interesting and how unique of a story it is um and yeah just go see it if you like documentaries absolutely see it 
If, if you like a good quirky story, you should see it. Also, a story aside, it's a really well done documentary. Like the documentary itself is well edited, well shot. They have really good recreation scenes. Like it's just overall like a really good story and a really good way of telling the story. And like I said, it did well, but I think it should do better. I think it definitely should go on towards season for best doc because it is unbelievable. Yeah. So three identical strangers go see it do it it's so good oh my god <laughs> yeah uh and just to clarify i was saying like good as in i don't want you to spoil it and not good you're not going to talk much about it like <laughs> yeah good shut up <laughs> it's my turn no, no i good because yeah. i don't want to be spoiled because i heard it's incredible and I've, i'm so glad that i've not been spoiled but it has been on a list like i want to see it well yeah, I I don't want to give anything more away other than that because it's that's part of the magic of that movie is is hearing the story unravel and it all I'll say is it takes you to a place like you don't think it would go. Like I I didn't know anything other than that they were three brothers who didn't know each other and then wow. So yeah, go see it. Go see it. Go see it. See it. See it. See it. See it. It's wow. Yeah. <laughs> most underrated because not enough people saw it it's not that like it was wasn't received well it's just like it, it wasn't like uh like an inconvenient truths level of a documentary where everyone's seeing it and talking about it like yeah this needs to be bigger because it's so good okay so i have two for most underrated um one is also a documentary um almost was one of my favorite of the summer and that's won't you be my neighbor Oh, I did finally see it. I understand why it's on this list. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, which most people I know who saw it loved it. Like, I, I didn't hear anyone that hated it. I just think it's, like, most underrated in the sense that, like you were saying with yours, like, not a lot of people see documentaries in the theaters or documentaries in general. But I remember when the trailer came out, like, everyone was jazzed to see it and... I think Mr. Rogers is, like, a little bit before, like, our time. Like, I remember him, but I don't, like, I didn't didn't have a big attachment to him because he was kind of, like, on his way out. Um, I think it was more for, like, our older, like, for, like, a little bit older generation than us. But um, still, it was so fascinating just the way that he would talking, um, the way he would talk to kids just uh and i love it it's like in the trailer just a little bit is like he's like sitting and like they're in the studio and a bunch of kids are running around like this one girl just come up she's like mr rogers i love you um and he's just like or or i think she said i like you and he said i like you too thank you very much for telling me and like I know Aww, that like I just got chills right? from that. <laughs> like I've seen it already. <laughs> like I know that like Mr. Rogers kind of has a stigma. Some people think he's creepy, or like the the way he talked was weird. Like there's been a lot of spoofs about it. Like I get it, but also like he knew that like if you talk to kids like direct and like you deal with emotions and you have to deal with hard things like. <laughs> one of their first episodes was about building a wall and like like he covered assassinations isn't that insane that that was the first episode right now like fast forward to today like what that would not fly today 
<laughs> yeah, I just think it, it was a really well done documentary from the interviews that they caught um, to like the animations that they would do to fill stuff in, which is like a little thing I've noticed in a lot of documentaries lately is where like they put little animations to kind of fill in the gaps or like to show things that the interviewee is talking about. But yeah, just like I was talking about earlier with Queer Eye, get ready to cry when you see Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I think that he was a gr- just a great person. And uh, I think, Jess, you and I joked about, like, who's the Mr. Rogers of this generation? And you're, like, the Fab Five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, like, obviously... they're, like, instilling goodness and they're teaching us valuable lessons about our emotions and trying to be the best version of ourselves. It's all so nice. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I obviously Fab Five is not for kids, but like, yeah. It, <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Incredible movie. Um, but another movie that I think was underrated and incredible was The Incredibles 2. Look at that transition. <laughs> Look at that. And incredible. <laughs> um incredibles 2 uh blew away the box office like it was like pretty sure like under infinity war so disney won in so many ways this summer um financially i think that incredibles 2 definitely has some flaws and a lot of people were very skeptical because it was a 14 year gap from the first one so like how can a movie with that big of a gap still uh have a good sequel well brad bird came back and i do think yes there are flaws but also i think there are a lot of incredible things in this no pun intended the animation is amazing like there's some action sequences that i'm like holy shit like this is not just cool for animation like this is just fucking badass and um like even just the way that they would light certain scenes um I think some of the humor was great for the whole family, like not just for kids. That's what, what a lot of people like about Pixar. Like it's for kids, but also people our age or for adults. Like a lot of people can laugh at it. Um, do I think it's as good as the first one? Maybe not, but the first one kind of blew us away. Um, 14 years ago when like the superhero genre was, was still kind of taking off. Um, and now we've seen so many superhero movies that this one is just like, yep, another one. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of a movie that like not enough people talked about. Like it, it, I don't know if it's because this movie was jam packed with like a ton of other big releases, whether it was ones we didn't like, like another Jurassic world movie and infinity war and Deadpool two. And, uh, like just so many movies that like incredible Two even though it was like the number two movie of the summer, it also not enough people were talking about it. And I think it's, that's why it's underrated is because it's better than I think people are giving it credit for. I think they're whenever sequels like this come out, I think people are too bogged down in comparing the first and the second one. And this is something I'm going to bring up with another movie later, but like I get why we compare sequels to the first one. But also, it's been so long that, like, what it, that's you're just setting yourself up for disappointment because one, like, think about it, Jess. Like, and uh, 14 years ago, that was 2004. Like, how old were we in 2004? <laughs> um, 
A woman never reveals her age. <laughs> <laughs> The point is, we were in, like, what, like, like early middle school? Like, it was so long ago. But, yeah, like, but if, if there's something that's been around in our lives for 15 years, of course we're going to, like, hi- hold that to an esteem. Like, we're going to put it, uh, like, up in this category of, like, oh, it's amazing. Whereas, like, the new one, like, what's well, not as good? Well, yeah, you've only sat with the new one for, like, what six months not even <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a brilliant point like of course like of course you're gonna hold something high in regard that you loved as a kid it was like part of shaping who you were like yeah yeah and the thing Jeez. is the first incredible movie first incredibles movie did not have to follow another incredibles movie the second one did so like of course it's gonna not hold up in your eyes but, um, yeah, so I think it's underrated. I think it, I'm definitely going to buy it on DVD at some point. I think it was fun, and I, I want to revisit some of those action sequences and things like that. But um, another category that we want to talk about on this episode is movies we wish we saw. So, Jess, do you have some movies that you really are upset that you didn't see? Like, one of mine I'm already going to say is Three Identical Strangers. I'm mad I didn't see it after you brought it up again. <laughs> Well, good. Go see it. It's really good. I'm glad to hear you already wanted to see it. Now I made you want to see it more. Go see it. Um, It's really funny because one of the movies I wish I saw was Solo. And after hearing you talk about it, it makes me want to see it less. (laughs) So that's really funny how that worked out. Um, So Solo, I didn't see it. It's like the only Star Wars movie I haven't seen in in the theaters that I... Whatever. It sucks. I didn't want to... Whatever. Um... Crazy Rich Asians didn't see it, looked good, heard it was good, made a ton of money, I really want to see it. And the wild card choice for me, Mamma Mia 2, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mamma Mia 1. Um, it's just light and happy and singing and everyone's happy and love and everything's great. And I'm sure this, you know, 2018 has been a hellscape. If I can just go watch a movie for two hours and just feel light and dancing and singing, then I'm going to do that. So I just didn't want to pay for it. But <laughs> Mom Mia too. Here we go again. <laughs> okay. Any other movies you wish you saw, Jess? Um, well, no Incredibles 2. I didn't see it. I do kind of wish I saw that. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, I wish I saw Three Identical Strangers. <laughs> Everyone said how, like, that was so good um, for my friends who did see it. Obviously, Jess just told us a lot why. Um, I really wish I saw Sorry to Bother You. Um, oh, yeah, I did want to see that. Yeah, that Oops, was... I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, it was hard because it was only playing in so many theaters and, of course came out of the time when i was like especially busy during my move and such to the city and i'm so ticked i didn't get to support it in the theater but uh sorry to bother you everyone says is that's outstanding and a super original movie and i want to see that pronto um another movie i wish i saw was upgrade jess have you heard about this movie I don't think so. Yeah, so it's it's kind of so it's a Blumhouse movie that like it's it's one of their first like it was like this hybrid of if it was like a sci-fi meets like a little bit of horror, a little bit of action, um but like not as much horror that like Blumhouse does. Um 
but it was there's still their same principle of like small budget um and everyone that i know that did see it said it was great um and that it was like original and just unique and they want blumhouse to do more movies like that or like even like when they did whiplash like do movies that are just great and original and cheap (laughs) don't spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars but uh speaking of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars um another category is the best superhero movie of the summer now why superhero movie well because the last like five six summers like there's always a ton that come out i mean we've already talked about incredibles 2 and um opposed to just talking about action movies in general like we got to give it up for superheroes so jess what was your best or favorite superhero movie you saw this summer? Okay, well, before I get into it, do you remember what my pick for my favorite superhero movie for last summer was? I was reminded when I listened to the episode because I was like, I remember when you first said it, I was like, all right, like, this is a bit, like, let's get the bit over with, like, and then you kept going and I'm like, Jess, you can't. So for <laughs> listeners who haven't heard last year, my number one pick for favorite superhero movie of the summer was the Inconvenient Sequel, which was the sequel to An Inconvenient Truth because Al Gore is a superhero. He is. He just doesn't wear a cape and he's trying to save the world and we're, we need it. Climate change is real, y'all. Come on. Anyway, Brandon, you're really going to love oh, my pick God. for this year. Because my favorite superhero movie is RBG, the documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my god! Is this and a new tradition? Is this a new tradition? I may, I didn't, I didn't intend for it to be. I really didn't. Like, I just, it just happened again. Where it's like I didn't mean. Like I, I picked these like you know. <laughs> Out of left field superhero movies <laughs> that but aren't it's, superhero it's a movies. Superhero movies. <laughs> They're superhero movies. No, it's Who's defining not. superheroes? It's just saying superhero, and she's a superhero. <laughs> Fucking superhero. She is. She's more. Her- she has done more heroic things than like Deadpool or like <laughs> Spider Man or like. You know, uh, like she's okay. I'll make it quick because whatever she's a fucking superhero um yeah i tried to get a little like last season like last year i did it because i thought it was like i'm gonna send a message about like was it really a hero in the summer movies you know but this year i was just like you know what i like this movie more and i look at her as more of a hero than any quote-unquote hero that was put out this summer so rbg follows the life of ruth bader ginsburg who if you don't know oh my god is a supreme court justice who's been serving for quite some time um she's one of the more liberal justices uh she's influenced a lot of our country and what the decisions have been but the movie itself goes into her entire life and she has been doing heroic stuff way before the Supreme Court. Um, Like, just for instance, like, in her personal life, um, she got married in college, and her husband got sick with cancer while they were in college. And to make sure that, like, not only she succeeded, but he succeeded, 
she would like copy the notes of all of his classmates because he couldn't attend class. So she would copy the notes for him and then like lecture them back to him and teach him like what he missed in class because he was like dying and couldn't go. I'm sorry. How many heroes do that? I'm sorry. That's fucking heroic. So she's great. She's amazing. And it's just, it's a really inspiring documentary too. It makes me want to like, be a better version of myself and that's usually like some sort of feeling I get from like superhero movies as I watch these people do really incredible things and I go man like I want to do better things I want to like save the world RPG she's saving the world um also what's really cool about this was that this was released in May and then CNN bought the rights to it and screened it in September so it has like a bookend for the entire summer and a lot of people got to see it because it was on CNN. So if you have Hulu, you can watch it too. RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, what up? God. I... You're so mad. I knew you'd be mad, but I just did it anyway because she is a superhero. Because <laughs> you just take... Uh... I'm I'm not gonna rain on your parade. It's just also, like, it's like this, full this disclosure. Be- like I only saw Civil War, and like that just felt like Civil really War to be like. What's the one? Infinity Apocalypse. War. No, a p- Infinity wow. War. Wow, you're thinking of 2016. I'm sick. Back <laughs> I'm off. I'm sick. sick. They're all kind of the same anyway. When you boil it down, kind of. Anyway, um. Yeah, and that Infinity War was the only superhero movie I saw, and that was, like, in May, and so I couldn't be like, my favorite superhero movie is the only superhero movie I saw. That's lame. So, I so you that. just I didn't got... choose it because that... It's a superhero movie, excuse me. <laughs> I didn't not choose it. I chose one uh, that's about a real-life superhero. So... Real life. 2019... We're going to do a summer movie review, and Jess is going to continue this tradition of choosing movies that are not in the superhero genre, but are quote-unquote superheroic. Maybe not, because maybe we won't have real-life superheroes like RBG or Al Gore to save the day, and we won't be able to podcast because the world will be a desolate landfill, and I'll be a woman, I'll be like locked in jail because I'm a woman, and oh, that's the Court wants. Who knows? I don't know. It's a dark place. We need real superheroes. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't. What is Captain going to do to save me? Nothing. He's not real. But I'm just saying that, like, yeah. But no, 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 no. Like, on a serious note, on a serious note, on a serious note, one part of the documentary that I really did love was, like, them touching on how much influence she's had on women in a inspirational sort of way, not just, like, how she's impacted her lives for the better, but, like, literally has inspired girls. And you would see girls like dressed up as her like you would with wonder woman like it was just really cute like girls who wanted to be rbg for halloween like that's a superhero that is she's more <laughs> she, you gotta give me this more than inconvenient sequel like for real all right well i'll take this over an inconvenient sequel <laughs> she's a superhero okay and it's about her so therefore it's a superhero movie <laughs> Well, this is another one. Uh, I was torn, and I kind of did a bit of a tie. Um, I'm I'm sure some people were like, "Well, that's kind of like spring," but um, as far as I could tell, 
summer movie season pretty much starts in like April now. Like <laughs> summer movie season goes from like April to like September. Like it's so long. It's like half the year. Um, yeah, it's like basically <laughs> from when like the snow melts to when the snow starts to maybe be falling. Yeah, like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. The two movies that I had, it's probably going to be pretty obvious considering I already talked about another one under most underrated, but favorite superhero movies were obviously Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2. Um, Now, there weren't really under big choices. Like, DC really didn't have anything come out this summer. There you have Aquaman coming out in December. Um, Sony had Venom come out in October. So when it comes to summer, it was pretty much just Deadpool 2 and Avengers. And I couldn't pick just one because I love them for different reasons. Like, obviously, you can go listen to it. We had two whole episodes just on Infinity War, both pre-spoilers and post-spoilers. So go listen to Jess and I talk all about that in those episodes of Avengers Infinity War because the movie was just... Like, I saw it three times in theaters with friends. Like, it just was so much fun. Um, I don't care what anyone says. Like, that's the best you could do with the amount of people that they try to throw in that movie and action sequences and the whole plot. Like, it just... It's just good, guys. And, like, if anyone wants to hate on it, like, then you just... you, You don't like fun. Because it does everything I think it should have done. It added some stakes even though it may not when we see avengers 4 but it just had some great acting moments it was funny cool action scenes a couple things i didn't see coming so uh avengers infinity war um surprisingly have not purchased it on dvd yet um just because i've been trying to not go crazy on the dvd purchases lately um but the movie i did buy because i wanted to see the super duper cut uh, was Deadpool 2. Um, I mean, Jess, you, and a lot of my friends know, big Deadpool fan. Um, I loved the, the first one. I love the comics. Um, yeah, this movie also, like some other movies I've mentioned on this list, like it had some flaws. It's not perfect. And despite what people say, like Deadpool 1 isn't perfect either. Um, and what I was kind of bringing up with Incredibles 2 is a lot of people love to compare Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2. Like, oh, I don't think it's as good. And I'm like, well, t- 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 it's hard to ever beat the first one. Like, yes, some sequels beat the first one. Like Dark Knight. Some people say Godfather 2. Um, things like that. But for the most part, most sequels don't beat the first one. Because you're always going to hold the first one to a higher standard. But the second one, I think they did everything that they should have done. They kept the tone correct. They um, upped the jokes. They added some characters. Um, It was a little longer than the first one. I liked it mainly because the first one is just an origin movie, guys. Like, the first one is just an origin movie that's, like, a little not chronological. The second one, they tried something different. Like, I won't get into the whole spoilers about the fridging situation. If you know the term fridging a character, not going to argue against that because they totally did. And the writers should know better and challenge themselves more when it comes to a plot line like that. But what I will say is it was just hilarious. And there was a couple jokes that just had me cracking the fuck up in theaters. And, like, that's what we go to see movies like this for. And also, it's just... 
when you know the Deadpool character, like whether it's the comics or just in general, they did it right. Which like that's the main thing I want as a Deadpool fan is them to not do it incorrectly, them to not ruin the character. And I think they just did it so right. And one of the tiny tiniest little it wasn't even that big of a joke. There's a moment in the end where it's him and Cable, James Brolin's Cable, um, where they're about to go into this action sequence and like Deadpool doesn't have any guns and Cable, like he has a ton. He's like, let me borrow one of those. He's like, no. And like Deadpool just bends down and like picks up a brick and like tosses it and like catches it. He's like, all right, I'm going to use this brick. (laughs) They just go into this action sequence where he uses a brick because like he doesn't have any other weapons. And it's just like a little moment like that, that I'm like, ah, God, like that's what I love. (laughs) Just the fact that Cable doesn't even want to give him one of his many guns. And Deadpool's like, all right, I guess I'll use a brick. Um, just a fun time, but yeah, superhero movies clearly this summer belong to Avengers and Deadpool 2. But uh, that leads us now to Jess, our favorite summer movie of 2018. Jess, what was yours? Eighth grade was my favorite summer movie. Oh, I was not expecting it to be, um, but I loved it, and it's my favorite. Um, have you heard of Eighth Grade? I that was one I also wanted to see, but did not have a chance to, unfortunately. You gotta put it up high on the list with Three Identical Strangers. <laughs> it is so good. Um, so Eighth Grade is this indie movie, which is also really interesting because I, I don't know, like this summer indies and docs did really well more than they normally do for summers. Um, so I think that was kind of interesting. So eighth grade, um, follows the story of this girl who's in her last week of eighth grade and about to start high school. And as I'm sure everyone listening knows, that is a terrible time in life. It is awkward, (laughs) terrible. It was honestly like so far I can honestly say eighth grade was probably the worst time in my life, like ever. Just like middle school in general is a terrible time. Um, and it captured that time so perfectly. Um, and it did it in an interesting way because the movie takes place in the present in 2018 or 2017. Um, which is interesting to think about being in middle school with all this technology and how that changes the way you look at yourself even more. So they definitely incorporated that into the movie, like what it's like to have Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all these like gadgets that we didn't have when we were awkward 13 year olds and what that does to your identity even further. So that was an interesting component, but they also did it in a relatable way so that even if you didn't have a Snapchat in eighth grade, like you still understood how she felt and you still understood like the struggle she was going through. Um, it was a little bit of everything. I laughed, I cried, I was happy. I was like nervous for her. I got awkward for her. I felt uncomfortable for her. All those weird, crazy emotions you feel when you're that age. Um, it was directed and written by Bo Burnham, and I think he just totally nailed it on both, like, the script and the directing. Um, it's just a charming movie, and it's so special. Like, I do think that 
there's very few movies like this that perfectly capture like how awkward middle school is and and what that does to you sorry um that's okay <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I just, I loved it. I was a very awkward kid in middle school and I, I could totally relate to it. And, um, I just have nothing but like really positive things to say about this movie. So eighth grade, it's a very unconventional pick for like a favorite summer movie. It's not one you typically think about. Yeah. Cause like to bring up what you brought up about like oceans eight again, I didn't see eighth grade, but like oceans eight was directed by a man starring a lot of females. And like, this was about, a little girl like well not little but like an eighth grade girl and like it was written and directed by a male i was wondering how like did you think that you could tell do you think you would have preferred to be written or directed by like uh like a female comedian opposed to bo burnham like did that have any i was just surprised like when that came out that that wasn't like something talked about because that is something that is so often talked about now um when female stories are written and or made by men instead of like a woman yeah and i think that that's a really valid question and it was something i actually was wondering about like while i was watching it because i related so much of like my young female experience to hers so he like nailed it which is really interesting i think maybe there's a couple reasons maybe Bo Burnham just so happens to be, like, very in touch with his feminine side and understands women and the stories of women. Um, Because, like I said before, if it's a woman's story, you should have a woman tell it. Um, But in this case, he he did nail it in a way that I don't think I would have said, oh, this would have been better if a woman did it. Like, no, I think what he had brought and done and wrote and and said was, was so great. And I think I wonder, too, if maybe because of the age disparity between him and, like, the subjects, maybe that had something to do with it, because it wasn't like he was trying to tell a woman's story of a woman in her 30s, and he knows that struggle. Everyone in America has gone through a middle, middle school phase, and most people were awkward and weird and had a shitty time. I mean, very few of us were, like, the popular kids in middle school, right? Like, I don't know any of those people. Like, where do those people grow up to be? Like, who are those humans? Like, I think... So I think he maybe just got it, even though it was a female character, because it was something maybe he experienced, too, being in middle school and having that that sort of feeling anyway. Because the character... Well, she is female, and sometimes the situations she gets herself in are kind of female-specific. It also just felt, like, universal in that, like, oh, I've been in a situation like that when I was a kid, and it traumatized me. Like, so, I don't know. That is a really interesting point you bring up, because there is definitely, in my opinion, a big difference between, like, Bo Burnham directing 8th Grade and Gary Russ directing Ocean's 8. It's just something in watching them. It just felt like... Maybe he was more in touch or more personal and took it more seriously. And he did, I mean, they both wrote it too, so it's interesting. And maybe the perspective of Ocean's 8 was like, like you said, this is going to make money. Like, this Ocean's movie, so doesn't matter what we put out because it's a crazy cast and a title, so people will come. So, I don't know, maybe he took more, like, attention to detail. But, yeah, I didn't... I didn't see it, like, 
oh, this is a good story, but it would have been better if a woman read it. I, I just, like, genuinely, like, got behind it and, like, believed it and understood every piece of it in a way that was very personal. Um, and, yeah, like, it kind of touched me and, like, is what I've been thinking about ever since I've seen it. And um, it, like I said, like, it made me sad, but it also made me happy and, like... I like movies that give you sort of that range of emotions, especially for something like this, because that's what you go through in middle school, which is all the emotions you can possibly think of. So yeah, it's, like I said, very unconventional pick for a summer movie, but it's also sort of unconventional that a movie like this would do well in the summer anyway. Um, And I just, I loved it. I thought it was so great. (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. I get, like, it's it's hard to describe, like, how, how... good it makes you feel and how relatable it is like I've never seen a movie that like actually gets middle school right like how terrible and awkward it is like most movies or shows like kind of gloss over that whereas this like did not at all yeah well good well Jess I have a feeling that you may not be a huge fan of what my favorite movie was this is a movie I don't want to say it's controversial but a lot of people don't like the main guy involved. My favorite movie was Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, I was expecting like Billionaire Boys Club starring Kevin Spacey. <laughs> like, I was expecting something what? so much worse. No. So, yeah, no, 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 no. We're good. We're good. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout. This is a franchise that I. <laughs> I think for a long time there was kind of a stigma behind it and I was annoyed that like they kept coming out because I was more so just annoyed in how many franchises were still going. If you'd like to hear more about that, we have a whole episode about franchises we think should end. Um, this is not one of them, at least at the moment. Um, yeah, so like I grew up, I only saw the first Mission Impossible, didn't see the second one, heard it was atrocious, heard the third one was good, and then... I weirdly only saw the fourth one because it was going to, uh, like, I saw the fourth one, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, in IMAX at Navy Pier in Chicago because they were going to show a clip from Dark Knight Rises that was supposed to come out that summer. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, like, it was, and my friend and I were like, well, you know, Ghost Protocol looks fun, too. And it was. It was really good. Um But then, like, when 5 came out, I'm like, oh, God, like, Tom Cruise, like, I think it's because, like, he has such this stigma of, like, he's crazy and, like, the Scientology stuff and, like, the Katie Holmes stuff and the jumping on the couch that, like, he has this stigma behind him. And also, he's done bad movies. Like, no one really liked the Jack Reacher movies. Um, I loved Edge of Tomorrow, though. Um, And, like, he's done other ones, like American Made, that, like, people just kind of forget about or don't enjoy. But, like, secretly, Mission Impossible has, like, really been, like, one of the best franchises that I think no one is talking about. Because after, like, looking at 4, and then after seeing Rogue Nation (laughs) that came out um, a couple years ago, um, yeah, this is a weird franchise that is somehow getting better. Like it's weird. Most franchises as they go, it's like, oof, it's getting rough. It, it, like it just goes downhill. But first one, 
known as good. Second one, everyone agrees, is the worst by far. And then, like, three, four, five, and now six with Fallout. Like, it just keeps... What the fuck? Like, why is this getting better? This is not how this is supposed to go. But, I mean... If I'm going to go see, like, an action movie, this is how I want action movies to be done. Because these action set pieces aren't all CGI. And, and like, it doesn't have to just be, like, Tom Cruise. He does his own stunts. Like, I'm not saying, like, don't have stuntmen. It's more so, like, they actually did practical effects. And they and they did the sequences. They did the stunts. They did the planning. And, like filming got stalled for a long time because tom cruise hurt his leg jumping from one building to another like you can find the clip online um but like i just enjoyed it's like they know what the movies are supposed to be him and christopher mccrary who like he's known for writing usual suspects and uh doing some other movies he's the only director to do two mission impossible movies so he did rogue nation and fallout back to back um and like he knows what they're supposed to be like some of the plot stuff gets muddied because it's spy stuff and they're just like mm, fill in the blanks and spy stuff you know like it just it's don't take it too seriously it's a summer movie but like tom cruise i believe is in like a life pursuit to make the most entertaining entertaining the most entertaining action movie if he has to die doing it <laughs> like he does not care he has a death wish there's something mentally wrong with tom cruise but i am going to enjoy his movies until he dies doing these stunts like i mean you've seen the clips like okay in rogue nation like we all saw the clip where like the plane is taking off and he's hanging on to it that's the opening scene they get it right out of the way and then they do some action scenes later i'm like are you insane you start with that but, like, I'm glad because they gave it away in the trailer. And, like, same with, like, Fallout. They show some of it, but then, like, there's crazy scenes where he's flying a fucking helicopter and barrel rolling a helicopter, which I heard in a report is illegal in most countries. So the only reason they filmed it where they filmed it was because it was one of the only countries that would let him do it. <laughs> like, he's insane. Something is wrong with this man. And, like... <laughs> Scientology, but you know, <laughs> but you know, yeah, he loves movies, man. He loves movies, and you're right, he just wants to make the best movies ever. And yeah. sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, yeah. And and I also just love the joke, you know, we love to shit on Justice League uh, in some other episodes. Um, this was the movie that, like, Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, um, <laughs> he had a mustache for it. And then, like, Warner Brothers was like, um, well, we need to do some reshoots for Justice League. Can, like, he shave the mustache? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, they just stood, they're like, no. And so then when they did the reshoots for Justice League, they had to CGI out his mustache, which I'm so glad. Like, I'm so glad because, like, <laughs> this is just a good movie. And I'm so glad that they just stood their ground for something so minor because it's like, no. You you made the mistake of needing reshoots. Like, we're doing our movie and we're going to do it with his fucking mustache. <laughs> I do love that. Anything to make Justice League more miserable. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, Mission Impossible Fallout, I think, had some thrilling action sequences. Which, by the way, not to spoil something, but there's a part where, like, him and, like, Henry Cavill's character do, like, a 
jump out of a plane and like a like a skydive situation. Another one of those. It's just like in the middle of the movie. It's like one of the throwaway scenes, and I'm like, he just did sky fucking skydiving and that's not a big deal because there's so many other crazy things that he does on motorcycles or cars or his own self jumping things barrel rolling a fucking helicopter in countries that don't even allow you to do that legally and so (laughs) like it is just so much fun the music is incredible the cinematography isn't like so good like some of the stuff that they get is like beautiful in these countries that they do um like i said this is a franchise i feel like it snuck up on me because i've dismissed it for so many years because i was like oh tom cruise is crazy i don't want to watch it why do they keep making them well it's like well it's because the last like few movies they've only gotten better um i really hope that they only do like one or two more and like they end on a high note because like i said it has only gone uphill the last few movies and jess i i know you may not be a huge fan of tom cruise or a lot of people out there must be like oh i can't watch it because of him like just pretend it's not him just i'm one of those people i've never heard oh no i didn't mean to like say you were specifically yeah he's like whatever i just don't like that he's like the face of a cult like that's not cool um but other than that like no he's he's as like someone who's interested in films like i respect the dude like you said like he's killing himself for movies like there's some respect for that um i will say though not for any particular reason i've never seen any mission impossible movie um not because of you know anything i just never gonna run to it yeah i i've heard they're good so yeah i I actually bought yeah i bought three because everyone told me they're like no you'd like it um and like based on how much i liked four five and six i think i will too but if you do decide to watch them, we should like maybe make that an episode um, because, yeah, it's been so long since I've seen the first one, never seen two or three, and I would love to see your initial reactions. Now that it's it's been a franchise that's like 22 years in the making, <laughs> and it's still yeah, going. He's like, it's going hard. He's what, like in his 50s, and he's like looking better than like some of the actors like in their 20s? <laughs> like, Yo, but he found that like Xenu Scientology secret, because that man does not age. He looks amazing. So and, like, maybe I will sign up for Scientology. I don't know. And all the hilarious like memes and videos of how much he runs in movies. <laughs> oh yeah it's funny because like that came out i think between these movies and it's i feel like he saw that and he's like you fuckers want to see me run (laughs) there's a sequence where he runs for an absurd amount of time and it wasn't just that there's a lot of running there's a lot of long far away shots where you see him run and i'm like that's like a good fucking like almost like a half mile he's probably running that they had to do multiple takes of this wide angle like helicopter shot of him running and he's just like fuck let me run <laughs> and it is so and like there's there's this one video i think someone broke down like the more he runs on screen like the better the movie does financially <laughs> <laughs> so they're like he's running his way to dollars uh, <laughs> so yeah mission impossible fallout it really snuck up on me like the trailer was incredible but i did not expect to enjoy it so much to where it'd be my favorite of the summer yeah so yeah i wish i had something to add to that but like i said i've never seen any of them 
But sh- cool, cool. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, yeah, do you have okay. yourself an LOL of the week? I do. My LOL of the week is a little strange because it's initially pretty funny but then the more you <laughs> initially think about it, initially it's it's pretty darn funny um but then the more you think about it the more you realize what a dark dystopian we're all living in and we don't even realize it um <laughs> yeah so get ready for your, my LOL of the week slash your existential crisis you ready for it so brandon i don't know if you heard about this we were talking about star wars earlier in the episode and we were talking about oh, the boy. fandom did you know that it has been verified that the backlash that came up on social media for The Last Jedi was mostly Russian trolls. <laughs> Attempt- I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It's I funny. remember hearing this. Funny. <laughs> yeah, so um, we all got played so hard, so hard. So that's kind of an LOL, like, oh my god, that's a really silly, like, people actually weren't that mad, but then you think about it, and it's really dark. So I have a Business Insider article, and I'm sorry, this is, like, legit. This is not, like, some, like, I don't know. Onion article. <laughs> yeah, like, zerg.net, like, article. This is, for real, verified, not fake news. Um, it says... Researcher Morton Bay wrote in a paper that there was evidence of deliberate organized political influence measures disguised as fan arguments. So, okay. (laughs) While critics loved it, the rest of the world seemed quite divided on The Last Jedi. Some people like director... Rain Rain Johnson's experimentation with a story in the world we thought we knew. But some in the fandom thought Johnson had destroyed what they once loved in a way that couldn't be repaired. But then his paper goes on to say basically, like, that's odd because, like, not a whole lot has, like, changed if you think about it. Like, the themes that were in the other Star Wars movies. It's not like all of a sudden these, like, themes were new. It's not like all of a sudden, like you know, there were women in this Star Wars movie when there weren't before. Right. You know, <laughs> right? Like, or like... There's whatever. women all they, of a sudden. All these women, because that was a big thing on the internet, was like, there's too many women. <laughs> and it turns out that no There's like four. That's way too many. <laughs> it turns out it was just Russian trolls trying to fuck with us. And then I don't know if you heard about this too, but um, the girl who played Rose, Kelly Marie Tran, had like a lot of racist and sexist comments given to her on social media. And a lot of people assumed it was because the fans were mad because her character sucked and they were taking it out on her. No, it was (laughs) Russian trolls and just like some crazy Americans hopping in. Um, but (laughs) I just like the little ants of crazy Americans. (laughs) So just, um, I'll end on this. Okay. Overall, 50.9% of those tweeting negatively was likely politically motivated or not even human, Bay wrote. So, like, that's funny because it's like, oh, my God, we were all, like, so up in arms arguing about Star Wars. I love it. You hate it. Blah, 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 blah. Turns out we were all probably really chill with it. It was just mostly Russian trolls trying to piss us off, which they succeeded in doing. And a few little, like, weird incel fanboys being like, yeah, I 
I don't like it. So, again, initially kind of funny, like, oh my god, that's so weird. We all were a part of that. And then it's like, oh my god, it's so weird we were all a part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, that is... That got hilarious and then sad pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's 2018 for you. It makes me feel so much better then, because I just wanted to be like, see? Wow. Russian trolls. Like, don't they have anything else better to do? <laughs> like, like I know, like, trolling, like, that's the point. Like, you're, you're trolling. But, like, why that, of all things, to start a humongous argument about? Because they want to create discord in America. And originally it was like, oh, politics, though. Like, they're only going to do that for politics. And then they were like, oh, wait a minute. We can piss off a lot of people if we attack Star Wars. And <laughs> that's what's going on. It's crazy. It's so crazy. So, guys, Gosh. don't fight. Don't fight on the internet. Because it's like, just they're just trying to mess with you. Be nice, you guys. Be nice to everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, my LOL of the week is something uh, a little bit different. Um, I don't. Th- this may turn into a, a bit that I'll do for stand up. Uh, um, but uh, so, Jess, last episode, episode fifty-eight, we ranked Christopher Nolan movies, right? Yes. And we both, uh, spoiler warning, we both agreed that Dark Knight was both of our favorites. I've been doing some thinking about some of the famous parts in Dark Knight. And it's kind of a thing that, like, I was just thinking about, and then I was like, "This that's actually really funny." So, like, we're all we all know the part where Alfred goes on that little monologue about, like, because like Batman's trying to figure out what Joker wants, and like he's like, you know, Master Wayne, like some people don't want to be bought or bullied, reason with, and you know, Michael Caine, some men want just want to watch the world burn, like. <laughs> I mean, and I'm very tempted to just do my Michael Caine voice, like, you know, I was chasing a bandit in Burma, you know, and the bandit had a ruby the size of a tangerine. He'd just been throwing them away. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, he you goes on this whole tangent. Oh, come on. That was like in the trailers when it came out. Um <laughs> What? Some men just want to watch the world burn. I you don't remember? Line. Of course, I remember that line. But people are like, "Oh, that iconic tangerine jewelry story." It's just well, that's line. that's more of a joke with Joe and I because <laughs> I won't get into it. But basically, <laughs> he talks all about how like some men want to watch the world burn, and then later in the movie, he's like, "Alfred, how did you catch that bandit?" And Alfred's like, "We burnt the forest down." Alfred, are you one of the men that watched watch the world burn? <laughs> they burned a forest down to catch a bandit. Yeah, fuck. That is insane. Yeah, hey, <laughs> like, I never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, it wasn't that, like, oh, we scoured the forest and, like, we found him or, like, we intimidated a bunch of people to get information. Like, nothing, like, tons of cruel options there, but it's like, no, we burnt the forest down he just was stealing rubies and shit like i know that that's like must be like crazy and like burma or wherever the fuck they were but like it was a bandit he wasn't killing anyone he wasn't doing anything at least according to the story and (laughs) he's like some men just want to watch the world burn well how'd you find him well we just burnt the forest down (laughs) like what that is insane (laughs) that's such a 
such a waste of natural resources to find some. Well, that's what I was thinking. Jewels. That's not cool. It could yeah. have killed people or animals or, you know, nature. Yeah, or like uh, the animals' homes because this guy took a jewel. Fuck you, Alfred. That's rude. <laughs> Fuck you, Alfred. Like, I, I love Alfred, but I think that was one thing that Christopher Nolan and I think Jonathan Nolan or whoever was writing it with him weren't really thinking about. <laughs> like, I know that the monologue sounded good in theory, but then the, the, the solution being, yeah, we burnt the forest down. Like... Batman, you, you don't believe in killing and you go after criminals. Like, you're living with one. He's your butler. <laughs> I know it's in Burma. It wasn't in Gotham, but he killed someone because he stole some rubies and he burnt him alive. Uh, anyway, I thought that was just a funny thing to look at a famous movie that, like, we've all seen. And, uh, yeah, just question whether Christopher Nolan and the writers had a good intention with that idea. <laughs> Brand new perspective on Alfred, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes all right jess well where can the listeners find you on the social medias on twitter and instagram i am at jess quaz i am also on twitter and instagram as at the pros and please all the listeners please rate review subscribe follow entertainment buffet podcast wherever you can follow entertainment buffet check out a youtube page facebook twitter all those things email us and oh i almost forgot we got an email from a listener i promised we'd give them a shout out because they emailed us after we had already recorded last episode and this was actually an email just kind of correcting something that i had been pronouncing wrong on previous episodes so a lot of episodes i talked about how i was diving into the twilight zone and i talked about how much of a uh genius rod serling is so i kept calling him rod sterling <laughs> apparently it's rod serling and uh so shout out to mayor spiegel uh for giving us an email at entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com uh to correct me with that and also just very kind i asked them how they found the podcast um they said uh you know thank you they were just browsing entertainment podcasts and they found ours so uh yeah thank you mayor spiegel for not only correcting me but finding us and enjoying our podcast we're glad to have you and all of our listeners here that's awesome yeah welcome to the family thank you for letting us know when we mess up we <laughs> right. Then we can tweak it and be better. Yes, Rod Serling, not Sterling. <laughs> I didn't even catch but, that. But uh, Serling. Me, me neither. That's why I said I was like, "Wow, I didn't even know that I kept saying Sterling." Nope. But um, thank you to to Mayor Spiegel, and please just uh, leave a review, tweet at us, email us, however you want to get in contact with me or jess or the podcast and so we can give you a shout out on the podcast and uh, we're always taking suggestions for episode ideas we're coming on up on episode 60 obviously jess and i have tons of ideas where we want to go with the show but we always want to have listener feedback and ideas so that we can talk about what you want us to talk about 
give a quick shout out to some other podcasts um, that always give us shout outs. Shout out to Movie Trailer Trash, hosted by Charlie and Bethany Duber, and shout out to The Shelved Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Meyer. They're friends of the show. I've been on their show and uh, their shows before, and they always plug us in their show. So always got to plug them. Check out theirs as well great podcast to listen to i'm a loyal fan and friend so um and yeah also check out flintlocked comic at instagram and facebook joe and i will be announcing soon the release of issue one of flintlocked a pirate original story that we created but um yeah jess summer is over even though it's the middle of october (laughs) it was how would you rank this summer compared to last summer um i like last summer more actually i would say <laughs> i would say that yeah. i would say there was way more exciting things all across the board um there's some good ones this summer but mostly just like okay ones mostly just like good not great just fine whatever on to halloween let's watch some horror happy halloween yeah, everyone let's... Happy Halloween, and stay tuned for what we do for the Halloweens. Yeah, maybe Brandon will let me do a horror episode, maybe. <laughs> let you. Yeah, watch horror. I can't do it. I want to do a horror episode. Watch horrors. God damn it. <laughs> okay, I'll watch some horror. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.